And all I want for Christmas is world peace. We're talking just in time for Christmas. Hit it. It was 1987. Madonna starred in Who's That Girl? Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! was in stores. And IRS Records released a Christmas comp with alternative artists. I'm your host, Jerry D., with another episode of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, we got it covered. Now, joining me are two Totally Rad Christmas all-stars and a brand new guest. Uh, First up, from Tinsel Tunes, it's Scott Newman and Dwayne Bailey. Guys, how's it going? It's going good. It's great over here down here in New Zealand. It's a nice sunny uh, spring day here. It's second day of spring for us. Oh, nice. So really exciting. <laughs> well, it's not- meteorological fall here. And I'm going to take that. I'm, I'm running with it. I don't want anything to do with summer. Um, <laughs> drown me in pumpkin spice right now. And I'm going to start wearing sweaters, even though it's 90 degrees. So that's how I'm doing. Oof, not here. Uh, <laughs> in Texas, it, the sun is trying to kill us still. Uh, but that does bring me to my next guest, uh, brand new to the show from Hip Christmas. It's Randy Anthony. Randy, what's happening? Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's uh, we're we, we are baking here in Texas. So. <laughs> yeah, I think we're we're well done at this point. <laughs> like it's just turn the stove off and take us out because <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you all here. We're going to talk about a really special album uh, that actually has two different releases. But before we get into that, I want to do my my brand new segment. It's called Hit Me With The Toaster. I'm going to ask you guys just a couple of questions, and I just want you to hit me with the first answer you can think of, okay? You don't, don't think too hard on it, but okay. Let's say IRS Records approaches you to play a song on Christmas Comp. Uh, do you compose a new one, or do you play a standard? I would play a standard. I would play a standard. On an IRS Christmas Comp? Yeah. Oh, I'd have to compose a new one. <laughs> right on okay <laughs> i mean yeah the, the 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 gauntlet has been thrown down so <laughs> <laughs> all right do you guys prefer christmas eve or christmas day i prefer christmas eve in the lead up to christmas eve oh nice christmas eve yeah yeah, yeah that was when i was a kid we would have giant family gatherings on, on christmas eve and so that's same the, Yep. Same Christmas here. Day is always kind of a letdown. It, yeah. It's it's such, it, there's so much <laughs> finality to it, and then the last airing of a Christmas story happens, and then I got nothing to look forward and to for here. like yeah. seven and months or something. You guys do Boxing Day in New Zealand? We do. It's, it's yeah. huge over here. So you um, have at least only, another day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the only letdown with Christmas Eve is they have Christmas uh, Boxing Day adverts on Christmas Eve on TV. Mm. So. Oh. Yeah, it's a, and I hate that because Christmas is not over. It's still at least one more day, but right. they're all like done with Christmas. Let's get into Boxing Day sales and then on to New Year's sales. Yep, so that's the only. So I try not to watch too much TV on Christmas Eve, just for that reason. <laughs> for so, us, you can go into yeah. Walmart on Christmas Eve, and they've got all the Valentine's they already Day have stuff Valentine's out. stuff. Mm-hmm. Out. Yeah, yeah, hey, 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 yeah, stop it. 
All right. And finally, you're at the Griswolds for Christmas. Would you rather go saucer sledding or squirrel hunting? Oh, uh, oh squirrel hunting. Totally squirrel hunting. <laughs> squirrel hunting. Nice. Yeah, I think I would I would do the same. Yeah. Squirrel hunting. I think I'd help Randy out with the uh, with the uh, RV. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I did hear that uh, squirrel meat was high in cholesterol. So <laughs> that's just a way for our listeners to get to know y'all a little bit better. So thank you for that. But today we're talking about IRS Records 1987 promotional Christmas comp and their subsequent 1990 commercial release just in time for Christmas. So what do you guys remember about this or, or what's your experience with uh, this album here? And why don't we start with you, Randy? Well, um, I had uh, I, I'd, I'd already started to get deeply into Christmas music um, a number of years prior. Um, looking since I'd grown up with with my parents' Christmas music, I was looking and I'd gone through my you know, through my punk phase and my disco phase, and and I, I was looking for for new, unusual, non traditional things, and mm-hmm. so. Um, when this one came around, uh, I, I'd, I'd already moved to Austin. I'd started a band. Um, nice. I, I wasn't yet working in record retail um, uh, when the promo came out, but I didn't learn about the promo until about 50 years later. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. So um, by 1990, when when the regular commercial uh, release came out, I was I was working in a record store, um, the same store that I would later buy an interest into and run for a while. Right on. Uh, and so this was this was like my demographic, you know, um, you know, kind of nerdy, punky music nerds who liked Christmas. You know how <laughs> how how many of us are there? Yeah, that's pretty niche. <laughs> and 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 this was you know right up my alley. Um, I was the, a couple of the songs like the like the Tim Buck Three song um, that, that you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. had already had come out on a single. Uh, prior right. prior to 1990 so i was familiar with a few of them but uh and you know the, the the squeeze had been out for quite a while right um but um it was just full of wonderful things and um it was a one of the first things that i really latched onto um it it followed by a few years uh, uh the the very special christmas which kind of you know set the was was the bomb that set off what's now the modern explosion of this stuff right this was just more um just way more up my alley so it was i i about half of it leaves me cold and half of it i think is some of the best christmas music ever done so (laughs) i hear you what about you uh so i have a really long history with this of about three and a half weeks (laughs) (laughs) So um, I hadn't heard of this um, or a lot of these artists on here since, um, in fact, the only people I've heard of was Cal- uh, Clark Kent, and we'll get to that, and Dred mm-hmm. Zeppelin. Everybody else was new to me, and the whole album was new, and I've listened to it now or maybe six or seven times, um, mm-hmm. especially uh, yeah, uh, at work when I sort of want to block people out, and, and <laughs> I thought, this, 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 is, this is a great way to block people out. But also when I started listening to it, I was quite cold on pretty much the whole thing, but mm-hmm. the more I listened to it, the more some of the songs really started to stand out. So yes. I'm quite excited to talk about these uh, yes. as we go on. And what about you, Scott? Well, 
I'm about uh, I'm about uh, two weeks behind Dwayne. I, I listened to it <laughs> just this week. I've only listened to each song twice, and Randy, I, I totally respect that this is right up your alley. This is not up my alley whatsoever, <laughs> but this is one of those, this is why restaurants have menus. We all have different taste things. So if I say anything disparaging, please don't take it personally. I'm more of a traditionalist. I've never really enjoyed original Christmas music. It's mm-hmm. never been my thing, but I can see how somebody would like this. If you're tired of the same old stuff, you, believe me, this is going to be quite original and maybe you want to check it out. Right on. So and I've I, never heard of any of these bands. <laughs> I was I was 11 when this came out. Randy mentioned the very special Christmas. That's what I was doing in 1987. I, I, I discovered that and I thought it was the greatest thing I had ever seen in my life because I, it was the first CD I bought with my own money and it became mm. my Christmas music, not my parents' Christmas music. Right. And that was really, I don't know, it, I, important not doesn't seem like the right word, but it, it that that's what I latched on to. It's like and a I, seminal I, moment I, in your life. It was seminal. There you go. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of uh, any of this. It was an interesting trip. I'll give it that. Oh yeah, yeah. There's some some standout tracks. Um, I'm kind of like you, Randy. There's about half that I'm cold on, half that I, I really like. Uh, cool Yule, I think, is probably one of my favorites, especially now that I've talked to Rachel Murray. I it's so catchy, and and we'll get there, but. Um, yeah, I'm actually in kind of a uh, in between y'all. I've known about this album for a long time. I've never really listened to much of it until about three years ago when I decided I was going to start this '80s <laughs> Christmas podcast. That's <laughs> when I was like, you know what? I know about this album. A couple of friends had it. I've heard like one or two songs. I need to sit down and listen to the whole thing. And you're right, uh, Dwayne. Like the more you listen to it, the more it grows on you, mm. and and you're like this song, I didn't get it, but now I really like this song. And yep. it's just, it's something about that they become earworms and it's just, it's, it's quite original. There's a lot of cool melodic and polytonal and uh, uh, polyrhythm rhythmic stuff in there. And it's just, it's really interesting and, and deep. And I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, well, it's, but, it's, go ahead. It's worth, um, forgive me if I'm jumping ahead, but it's, no, no, you know, it's, it's okay. worth, worth noting that, that, if if I have my all of my names right here, that IRS Records was formed by Miles Copeland, yes, uh, brother of Stuart Copeland of the Police, yes, and um, who I think they go. I think he worked for Chris Blackwell. He started Island Records. I, I, I may have that wrong, but that 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 kind of artsy, multidisciplinary approach to music you know really shows through on on this it's it you know it, it goes from um you know polyrhythmic polytonal like you were saying to to just you know to country and and, mm-hmm. and punk and it's there's just there's just a lot going on in there and it's that very iconoclastic approach that you know that i think that sting and copeland and other people in the police brought to their music well it's it's very much mirrored here in the artists that they signed yeah oh yeah it's an eclectic group. I mean, they did everything from, uh, from the REM to the Go-Go's to Walla Voodoo, who we'll be talking a little bit. I think Fine Young Cannibals was signed with them for a bit. I mean, it really is just a, an odd bunch of everybody. It's, it's everyone was welcome. If they thought they sounded cool, they'd sign them. And mm. yes, it was started by Miles Copeland and, uh, 
Uh, that's why we get Stuart Copeland on several of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clark Kent in his Clark Kent phase, which I don't, I didn't remember he had a Clark Kent phase. Honestly, that was something that uh, completely passed me by. And then I went back and, of course, listened to this album. And I've since then gone and looked at some of his other stuff that he's released under Clark Kent name, and it's pretty good. I I like it. It's just different from the police, but he still has his like standard Copeland-esque drumming on it. It's it's really neat. But, Do you have the shaped disc? There's the, there's a shaped one that's I think it's like Superman or, or or K or something. Yeah, no, I don't have it. Uh I just have the digital copies, unfortunately. With three young kids, it's hard sometimes to find money for things that right. I want. Yeah. <laughs> finally, my, a... my youngest is finally not in daycare anymore. So it's like, yes. <laughs> oh, I remember those days. All of a sudden you're flush with cash from the daycare. <laughs> exactly. It's Holy like, God. oh, wow. I don't know what to do now. But Yeah. All of a sudden those uh, incidentals that you didn't have money for, you're, <laughs> you're going to come back with the Camry full of, uh, full of records now. Oh, what were you going to say? <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say there was a drumming documentary a while ago uh, hosted by Stuart Copeland about the history of drumming and inspirations. Um, that's worth a watch just to see where Stuart Copeland's brain is when it comes to music. Cause a lot of people know him from the police and the sound of the police. Right. But when you, when he's away from the police, he's an, he's an amazing musician. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I can't remember what it's called. It's like the history of drumming or something, but it'd be easy enough to Google and right. uh, it's well worth a watch, not just for the drums, but just for how he approaches music and who he talks to uh, in the interviews. It was really, uh, really um, quite interesting as well. Right on. I'll have to check that out. So let's go ahead and jump into the 1987 promo first. We'll cover the the tracks, talk a little bit about the artists, and then we'll cover the 1990 commercial release. And we'll we'll skip the ones we've already talked about and just focus on the the newer editions there. Um, So essentially in 87, it had seven tracks on it. Uh, There was six originals, one contemporary cover of a traditional Christmas hymn, uh, which is is definitely contemporary of that time. It's it's very different. Uh, But the album opens up with American rock duo Timbuk3. You guys might know them from their single, The Future So Bright, I Gotta Wear Shades. They were formed in Madison, Wisconsin, 1984. They were a husband and wife duo at the time. And in fact, some of their songs had even been featured in uh, films. And uh, I think they were in the, the... the house band in the 88 film DOA, something like that. But this is like an anti-war kind of song. I mean, this was getting to the the close of the Cold War, but still there was a lot of uh, a lot of notions going on about how playing with GI Joes and Transformers would uh, kind of make kids more militaristic and uh, not really pay attention to peace and things like that. And so. I actually kind of really like the song. It's got their standard harmonica that they, they incorporate in some of their other tunes. And it's just, it's, it's a cool little, uh, a catchy little song. What do you all think about this one? I actually got to see them any number of times at relatively small venues here in Austin because, you know, they, they came from Wisconsin, but they moved down here. And yep. 
um they used to have they they they, they had a a residency um i forget if it was sunday nights or when at a, at a little club here in austin called the hole in the wall uh, <laughs> and, the hole in the wall club that's funny um and i don't know if you recall mtv had a back when mtv used to cover music they they, they, they had a they had a program called the cutting edge i think yes and the cutting edge did a whole episode on the on the emerging austin music scene and uh, you know a, a lot of people got coverage but no one really knew who timbuk3 was and they got a lot of coverage and that got them signed to irs um and everyone was jealous that this had happened um <laughs> but yeah. um yeah i i i bought the little 45 i think it had a, a version of blue christmas or something which i think still has never been reissued in the digital world mm. uh, i I'm a sucker for, you know, militant anti-war stuff. And I thought it was great. It was very much in, in their style. They used to perform with just Pat McDonald on guitar. Mm -hmm. And his, his then wife, Bar Barbara Kay, was, um, I think she played guitar too. And I forget who played the harmonica. But they had, um, what at the time was this really <laughs> um, um, new fancy thing that made music. It was a computer that, that actually... <laughs> <laughs> made made Whoa. rhythms and things and yeah. so they had they had pre-recorded bass and drum tracks and would per perform to that so um I, I i think it's one of the standout tracks and I do too. um you know a little quaint by modern standards with the way that it approaches you know kids playing with war toys but you know because <laughs> they do so much worse now um but um i i, I think it's a really charming song I think any song that uh, any Christmas song that talks about Transformers and GI Joes is a win in my book. <laughs> yeah, that's I was, the only I was thing thinking I of down. you when I hit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wrote that it was a fun listing of toys. And I want you to remember, I had zero context about this group or even this album. So this is the first thing I sit down. And I'm like, what did Jerry put me through here? So <laughs> anytime I, you're I, coming on, it's always a, some sort of random yeah compilation mm -hmm. album that <laughs> the, the listing of toys gave me a little nostalgia the the peace message went right over my head sorry <laughs> they, yeah their 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 big song like um jerry said was uh the future sub right i gotta wear shades right and i remember that phrase but i didn't know it had anything to do with them yeah well they, it, it's it's up there with born in the usa for um songs that people totally didn't actually get <laughs> oh, yeah okay everyone yeah. heard heard bruce springsteen do born in the usa and they just thought usa usa <laughs> um and um the future so bright i've got to wear shades was was About a, nuclear war wasn't it it was well it was is mainly i think just a skewering of 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 of, of trickle down upwardly mobile reaganomics you know the the, mm. the um and 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 what we called yuppies at the time uh, <laughs> Um, so it, it made brutal fun of those people and they just thought, Hey, this is great. The future is so bright. I got to wear shades. Uh, <laughs> well, it's also they, just, they just fun and catchy and that, that helps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right up there with turning Japanese, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for, for me, I, um, I had no idea who they were and even the song that you're recommending, I've heard it, but I can't put the tune in my head. Mm. So I'm, I'm struggling to sort of connect the two together. Um, I was very much like Scott when I when I heard this. I'm like, oh no, what are we what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is not traditional because uh, no, you know, I'm the same. Yeah, I'm the same. I do like my 
uh, traditional a lot more than the originals. But uh, I'm slowly turning, uh, thanks thanks to a lot of artists like these ones on here. Mm-hmm. Um, when it first, instantly when it first started playing, I really did like the harmonica and I liked the intro. Yeah. When the voice when the voice kicked in the very first time, it wasn't for me. I didn't mm. like. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. But now, after quite a few listens, yeah, I I do like the song. Yeah. Quite a lot now. Yeah. So it took a little while to grow on me. This is and and when I was listening to the lyrics, yeah, I thought of you. I thought this is what <laughs> right. this is why we're listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and it was a nice surprise um after a while, but straight away I, I was a bit concerned about what I, I was about to. to put myself through. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, the next song's a little bit easier uh to get into immediately. It's uh if she, that's sorry, it's by the Reckless Sleepers. Uh, that's the band of Jules Shear. He's the guy that wrote um, "If She Knew What She Wants." He actually sang it, but no one really knew that version. Most people know the Bangles version. I think he also wrote "All Through the Night" by Cyndi Lauper. But this song is called "Every Day Will Be Like a Holiday." It's kind of like a blues-tinged ballad. Guitar. I, I really enjoy this one. This is another one that I think is is one of the standout tracks of both albums. It's a cover of um, is it William Bell? It is William Bell. Yeah, mm. from uh, Soul Christmas. Um, is that the green album? The it's kind of a green colored album around yeah, the with, edges with the little icons of yeah, presents yeah. and things. Yeah, it's a great album. Oh yeah, it's the best. Um, and it's it's a pretty faithful cover. Um, I. You know, being my, my my age and of the stuff that I like, um, I kind of worship at the altar of Jules Shear. Um, he was in a band <laughs> right. called, called Jules and the Polar Bears. Yes. <laughs> um, he actually came from a very mellow California background. He was in a band with the guy who wrote Peaceful, Easy Feeling for the Eagles. Oh, wow. wow. Um, it was a band called the Funky Kings. They recorded an album for RCA. Um, and then, but then he, he, he went punk in <laughs> in the late 70s and cut two just brilliant records um and then by this point was starting to mellow back out um so uh, yeah we all go through our phases you know <laughs> yeah. But, yeah the reckless sleepers only did one record for irs and it's, it's a it. real good record but then he moved on to other stuff yeah which I, I mean, I, that's kind of like a theme is what I've noticing with some of these IRS guys. They'll do one, maybe like three tops. And then they kind of just do their own thing after that. Yeah. A bunch of these were, were one hit wonders. Only they had no hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you doing? What do you think about that one? Uh, as a song, I really liked this one. It was very laid back. Uh, mm-hmm. Once again, um, as soon as it starts, it's just a nice tune at the start. Yeah. I like the guitar stabs through through it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I found the choruses a lot more catchy. Uh, I thought the verses were a little bit plain, but the course, uh, the choruses are definitely where the song got me. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's it's almost uh, the way he sings the verse, and I know that's you know it's his interpretation. I know he's trying to, mm. to mimic, but. 
I know what you mean. It's it's a little more free flowing and uh, less standardized in in its rhythms. There, what do you think, Scott? This is a hard song to cover. I love the original. Yeah, but this one, if you're gonna do it this straight, you you've got to really really nail it. And it just didn't have. William Bell has this deep baritone kind of voice, and it has all of this soul to it, and it's so mellow. The, this one, I was like, why, you know, why, why would I want to listen to this when I have the original? Mm, and I, in fact, I I, after this, I went and went and listened to the original and <laughs> the, uh, the guitar was pretty faithful reproduction. I just, yeah. I didn't care for the voices as much, and but he I actually, didn't, there's nothing about the artist that I connect with that would make me want to listen to it. So if I had more history, it right. was a perfectly fine version. There was nothing yeah. wrong with it. It just didn't do it for me. Well, and Jules, uh, Shear plays his guitar in a really interesting way um, mm. because he's, he's left-handed, I believe. And so he, but he doesn't restring the guitar like you would if a person was playing left-handed, it's just a, a right-handed guitar just turned over. And so, so he uses his thumb. In so the low string is ways. on the bottom. Yeah. It's yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I tried to lean that way. Cause I'm left-handed. My, my father as most listeners to Tinsel Tunes know he was a guitar player and he tried to teach me and I, and I said, look, I want to play a real, you know, a, a regular guitar, so to speak, but I'm left-handed, so it had to be upside down. Um, it didn't uh, go too well because he wasn't a teacher by <laughs> yeah, any means. Yeah, right. And then to have that thrown on top of it, so it didn't work. But, but I hear a lot of artists actually do that. Um, and one reason for that, I think, is so they can just pick up any guitar and play it. Yeah. They don't have to sit there and restring it or, or get an actual left-handed guitar and yeah. just pick it up and play yeah. I'm left-handed, um, but yeah. I play a right-handed guitar. And my left hand is more dexterous anyway, so I never really had a problem. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 yeah makes it sense. just seems more natural for me to pick it up and hold it left-handed than to hold it right-handed. However, I play the, the drums right-handed, but I lead with my left hand just, just to be <laughs> awkward. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I got to see Joel Shear at a small club one time, and I, I, I couldn't quite figure out what he was doing. But I would swear he was barring the the chords with his thumb. With his thumb, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, which is, that makes sense. That he had some kind of open tuning. And wow. You, I, you wouldn't know it from listening to his records. They don't sound mm -mm. at all primitive, but mm -mm. Um, it was a rather primitive approach, but it, it certainly worked for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this track is actually followed by Christmas Time and You. Let's put the X back in Xmas. This is one of the tracks that was dropped in the 1990 commercial release. And you'll forgive me if I butcher this name because I believe it's a French word. It's Tire Tire. Is that right? I think that's how you say it. Uh, when I mean? first heard it, I'd read Tires, Tires. But I, that's uh, that's not actually the... Uh, <laughs> I believe it's, it's the French word. The song itself, it's pretty minimalistic. It's like Philip Glass, I think. You know, it's very Philip Glass in its approach. But... The band were, they were a new wave brand from Kansas City, Missouri. They were led by the, uh, who's now a composer. He's actually composed with his little chamber orchestra, Michael Rouse. And um, they were only active for about 10 years, 78 to 88. But um, yeah, this this song is nothing really special. It's it's very, like I said, minimalistic. It repeats itself a lot. There's no distinct verse chorus. And I think because it's so strophic, it's kind of hard to get into.
I, I put my notes droning. They just droned all the way through, and it's like, yeah. And, and this was one I skipped after the first time I heard it. So mm. when I replayed the whole album, I just skipped this one every time. Oh, I guess it just wasn't wasn't for me. Yeah. This is another one that I've really grown to like, but in, in the notes, <laughs> this is one of the two tracks I couldn't finish. I just said, oh, yeah. forget this. <laughs> well, then maybe that's why they dropped it from the uh, commercial <laughs> release. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. Smart move. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's subtitled. Let's put the X back in Xmas. And I, I, when I saw the title, I expected more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Would, uh, edgy, I thought there was a little, a little double entendre edgy. to that or something. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I mentioned earlier that, the the promo was sent out in 87 and yes. you know just to, just to record stores and business contacts of irs because it was actually it's, it was actually designed as a christmas card oh. and, it's, and it's 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 signed actually uh, and i only discovered this recently minus mine is signed by the director of um i, th- I think it was pr very <laughs> that's um, cool so i i managed to track one down but um, it like I said, it took me years to find it, and mm-hmm. it's um, this track and the one that we'll talk about soon. You know that were dropped. Both of them just kind of laid there. Yeah, Randy, was it on vinyl or CD? CD. Okay, that makes more sense. You you held up that card, and I thought that didn't seem like the right size. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That was that a was, mini that record. Was, yeah, yeah, that was eighty seven, and so there weren't many vinyls at that point. It was almost all CD. Yeah, I can't remember what year, but it, I knew it was right around then because the very special Christmas I had that on CD. I think that was the first one of the first I, I yeah any of my friends had bought. Yeah, well, this is followed up by the DBs, the Decibels. Uh, the Decibels they have a track, um, and it's strictly speaking, it's the Chris Stamey group with the Decibels. Um, Chris Stamey was part of the Decibels. He left. He started doing his own solo work. He in '85 released his uh, Christmas Time album, and it's actually a really good album and he had several members of the decibels come and and play and on it and it's just it's fun it's been re-released like in the 90s with even more tracks and more guests and then it was re-released again in the 2000s with even more tracks and more guests and over and over yeah it's a really good it's just a fun cd but that's where this one came from um of course decibels were uh, known for their pop stylings. They had like 60s rock, 70s pop kind of influence as well. I like the song. It's kind of really country though. I'm coming home. I didn't care for it mainly because of the countryside of it. Oh, and, gotcha. and 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 uh, you know we've spoken about country before. How there is good country and then there's not so good country. Mm-hmm. This one for me, I would put it in the not so good. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So send all references to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all complaints. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I and I found it just to be a little bit a monotone, very very similar to the the previous track. I think just it just went on and didn't really do anything exciting. Mm. 
Okay, that's pretty funny, Dwayne, because this is the first one I liked. Oh, really? <laughs> said, now we're talking, this feels like a trucker song. And I enjoyed <laughs> the fiddle does, yeah. toward the end. And I'm with you. I'm not really into the country, but this had that no. feel of a, like, that weird feel of a talking country song, almost like, um, uh, like the old Cannonball Run days where yeah, like, all yeah. these songs were yeah, coming out. Convoy or something. Just a guy Convoy, and he's talking so, fast yeah. and he's yeah. doing this and he's doing that. That's what, I, I don't know. I think it was because the first three didn't didn't resonate for me that I was like, all right, this this is kind of cool. And it was catchy for yeah. me. Yeah. I I like this one. I like the album. What do you think, Randy? I'm a pretty big fan of of Stamey and Hulse, Peter Holsapple and the DBs. Um, and that whole kind of, you know, Southeast Coast school of music with Mitch Easter and R.E.M. and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular song, I, I think you have to at, at least place it into the context of, of, of these were college educated East coast smart asses. <laughs> um, and, and, and so it was country from that perspective, you know, although I, 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 I think you can listen to it and take it totally on its face value. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you look at their 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 two best Christmas songs um, are, are are would would be the title song to the album Christmas Time yeah and and especially Holiday Spirit which is oh that's a good one yeah almost punk rock so it's 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 very much not a traditionalist song even though they fairly closely succeed in getting it there mm-hmm. um, so I you know I I like it I don't think it's their their very best but 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 I like most things that they do. They were associated with, with, um, Orc records up in New York and, you know, at least vaguely with big star and big so, star. Yeah. So it's, so it's very much in my, whose, whose song Jesus Christ actually appears on one of their re-releases of that right. Christmas time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to hear this song covered by somebody like rascal flats or somebody Oh, that's I bet the kind they... of country that that's yeah. that's the kind of the only country I can really like listen to, <laughs> and I'd like to hear that. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Well, I would I would argue that this one does kind of stick out like a sore thumb, though, because it's I agree, you know, yeah, very much roots rock, you know, on a on a very urban sounding record. <laughs> Which is funny because later on in the commercial release, we have um, Kennedy Rose, who's a fairly straightforward country group, country duo, and their song doesn't really sound very country. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's kind of funny that, that interplay there, but the next song is, it's terrible. Shouldn't have given him a gun for Christmas by wall of voodoo. It was a different time y'all. <laughs> yes. This was pre, pre all the awfulness, yeah, but this uh, was an age of innocence compared to today. Right. They were an alternative Californian rock band known mostly for that song, Mexican radio. Y'all remember that one? Oh, I'm on a Mexican radio. Yep. Is that the one? That's them. Yeah. And they had like a weird mix of like bebop, country, electronic music, and uh, new wave, and occasionally some polytonality as well. Sometimes, uh, as well, sometimes they'd play a guitar solo in a completely different key, you know, just things like that. It was a really, really interesting. And I could see myself like if I had been in college during that time, I'd be like all up on these guys. I don't really, because of the subject matter, I, I kind of find it a little hard to to get into the song, unfortunately. But musically, I I, I kind of like it. I just I, yeah, it, it's a I, it's on my playlist. I play it. I listen to it. I but I don't listen to it too hard. <laughs> 
I had a hard time with this song. Yeah. Because I didn't know what to make of it. This is kind of like Randy and I could be standing next to a piece of modern art and he could be saying, oh, this is amazing. And I'd be saying, did somebody sneeze with paint in their mouth? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. And I, my notes say that the, be, the vocal at the beginning reminded me of Max Headroom without the stuttering. And I was getting vibes of Paradise by the Dashboard Lights and Time Warp in here. And then there's this bizarre breakdown with O Tannenbaum mm -hmm. in the middle of it. And I wrote really awful. Who is this for? And I just, I just, it, it, if there's like a subtext to it, I didn't get it. I'll tell you who it's for. It's for me. <laughs> oh, okay. I love the song. I, <laughs> nice. I loved it. I, I mean, subject matter aside, what I loved about it was the fact that it started off terrible. Um, and then it, the breakdown came and then all this, yeah, Tannenbaum and all the stuff happened. I was like, this is such an amazing <laughs> song as far as let's just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. That's what I liked about the song. Did the last M musically, stick for you? Is that what it was? Yeah. Um, and saying that it won't go on a playlist and I probably won't hear it again, but it, it was a standout for me off, off this album for what it is, which is just. Yeah, a big mounting pot of styles and 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 bad subject matter, and then just turn it into a song. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's who it's for. It's for me. There you go. <laughs> it it I, I always thought of Wall of Voodoo as being kind of of a piece with, say like Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Them. Yep. Oh yeah. Of you know, it's sort of like punk and new wave for really. Um, people who thought they were smarter than the rest of us. Um, <laughs> I know that guy. The, there was always a joke <laughs> yeah. that that only they got and that sort of thing. Right. But I, I would argue that this is the song that has has the most. Uh, uh, what's the what's the right word here? Um, it's it 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 shows up every year in people's playlists and in mm -hmm. mix CDs and mixtapes and. Um, it's it's got staying power. Um, I think maybe if only because it because the joke becomes more uh, inappropriate every year. <laughs> I understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but it's 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 it, it seems to be the one that I that I hear people drop into playlists and conversations quite hmm. a bit. Yeah. That's well, me. it was also included on that uh, that lost lost Christmas volume three. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember, I, I think I brought volume one up to you, uh, Scott, for when you were doing Jingle Jank. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did one of those. Yeah. yeah. I actually liked that one quite a bit. Yeah. On volume three, they have several of these songs on there. Oof. Glad I only did the first so one. So next is another song that actually, again, was dropped on the uh, the commercial release. It was by The Balancing Act. They were an LA band. They had an acoustic kind of folk rock bass layered with occasional atonality polyrhythms they also use like weird instruments uh, just unconventional techniques things like that in their sound the song is called green pants and finance it deals with the struggle between like charity and self-preservation you know <laughs> December's chill When a dog barked I turned And was hoping for a chase If I got just one step closer I knew he'd see my face This is another one that I see why they dropped it. There are much stronger tracks on the 90 release. Uh, as I've listened to it more and more through the years I've really grown to love it but when I first heard it I was like, I don't know about this. Yeah, 
I think I'd be the same. When I first heard it, uh, very much like Timbuk3, it's like, oh, okay. But now, um, when I listen to it, I like what the song has been constructed with. As you say, you've got all these just different instruments, you've got all this going on. It's not Christmassy to me at all. So as no, a song, yeah. it's a nice song. As a Christmas song, it's very weak. So right. yeah, like you, I can see why they dropped it. But as a song, I, I really, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, same. Um, mm. Yeah. There's actually a, a there's a story here that I I, I don't care enough to, to figure <laughs> yeah, out exactly exactly. Um, but th- they their final album on IRS the next year curtains has a song called Red Pants and Romance. <laughs> there's a, so, there's a theme going on, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, both this and the um t-ray t-ray or tires tires um those those the, those two songs are fairly new to me and neither of them made much of an impression yeah jerry i wrote jerry owes me two minutes and 50 seconds 51 <laughs> seconds of my life back and i had i put a note here that the voice had an off-brand john denver quality to it now i had no idea who these people are yeah this i didn't care for this one at all well i enjoyed the next song much more it was uh hark by torch song they're a british electronic and dance band apparently they were pretty popular in some of the dance clubs in the early 80s uh they had a song called prepare to energize it was even used in the movie bachelor party so Hmm. uh go check that out but it's their kind of take on hark the herald angels sing it's mostly instrumental it's pretty straightforward electronic music and and it's set in the dance setting and i i like this version <laughs> again when i first heard it i was like mm, i prefer the traditional one and i still do but more and more over the years it's like i include this on my own mixtapes just because it's different and interesting yeah Was Torch Song the group that William Orbit was in? Do I have that right? I'm not sure on that. I could be. He 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 went on to to bigger things, including he worked with Madonna at some point. Oh wow! I mean, that's I pretty think, big. Uh, I think on Ray of Lights, group. maybe. It, it yes, William Orbit. You're right. Yeah. I, I wish I could tell you more about him. It's not really my bailiwick, the whole electronic area, but yeah. He, he had some uh, halfway big things under his own name and then went on to be more of a producer, remixer kind of guy. Well, and I think the song had come out as a single in 84 because um, the band had already broken up by 85. And of course, this is 87 when this is coming out. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, if you look on the, the sleeve notes, I, I think it is they recommend his latest album as opposed to a Torch song album, which, um, yeah, like you said, this had come out a few years prior. Mm. What do y'all think? You guys got, if you like. Well, I wrote that uh, this feels like a weird song written by someone who got a sampler for Christmas, but I don't hate it. And it had a cool <laughs> 80s intro. And, you know, I was I was born in 76, so I was 11 when this, this promo album came out. And I really hadn't reached my own with music. You know, for, for somebody of my age, 
bands like Nirvana and that kind of stuff in the early nineties, that was the, you know, that, that was a, a, a direct fight against this kind of music. So I never mm-hmm. really liked the eighties stuff until I got much, much older. Now I really like these sounds. I don't have the right words for it. Is it synth wave, synth pop? I don't know. It's all but the I same, liked really. all that, like just <laughs> really ambient synthesizer kind of stuff. Yeah. I liked this one. I thought it was just, I thought, I didn't think it was great. Right. But I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to know what Randy thinks though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am learning a lot from all of you on this. This is interesting. And I, I'm kind of excited to go back and maybe listen to it again with, with the eyes wide open this time and see if anything hits me differently. Right on. I liked, uh, the drum fills in it, mainly the, the, the rhythms, the, the drumming, which won't have been a real drummer, obviously, but, um, it's a quite a good fun song. It was a great way to sort of wind, wind up, um, the, the promo album. And, um, I didn't, how can I put it? When it first, once again, when it first came on, I'm like, what the heck is this? This has got nothing to do with, (laughs) with what we've listened to. Um, but it was a great take on an old song that I think if you put a a better, maybe more modern dance beat to it, it could Mm -hmm. come out in the clubs again and and be a hit. Yeah. I um, think you're right. Yeah. Dwayne, were the drum were the drum fills kind of like Phil Collins esque in here, where it's like doo, 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 yeah, on the toms, yeah. and it's like incredible reverb uh, on it. Yeah, I, they, I can't they remember. I, I didn't listen to it since yesterday. Yeah, the couple that stand out were really just standard top to bottom um, sixteen fills. There, there was no, you know, gaps or um, John Bonham fills or anything like that. They okay. were just straight straight fills. What you'd learn as mm. a as a uh, early drummer, but um, it was probably all done just, on the. On a drum machine, I bet. It would have been. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, probably. yeah, definitely would have been. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was just a great little song to add add to the album. And uh, yeah, yeah right it was, what does, uh, it'd be interesting to see if we get feedback from this episode as what other people think of these songs too, especially yeah. the likes mm-hmm. of this one. Yeah, Because yeah. not everyone's into electronic music like, like well, I quite like electronic music and uh, it's, it's my sort of, um, what, what do you call it uh, when you don't, when you say you don't like something, but you guilty do. pleasure, <laughs> guilty pleasure. That's the one. So electronic music is my guilty pleasure. So, um, <laughs> yes, I did quite like it. <laughs> well, that concludes the promo album. So 1990, they released it commercially. They took off two of those tracks and they added the fault, you know, these next tracks, we'll kind of go through these a little bit faster. Um, the first one we can pretty much skip a little bit. It's from, uh, 1979. It squeezes Christmas day. Of course they were a new, an English new wave and power pop band. Even though they were called punk, they didn't really think of themselves as punk. And the song is kind of like an anachronistic take on the nativity. Mary and Joseph drove into town searching for a place to stay. The moon was up and his foot was down. A miracle was on its way. They tried the hotels, the motels, the bed and breakfast locals. But no one seemed to have any room. I feel like this one is popular enough that most people would know it. I didn't know it. I found a great YouTube comment on it, though. It said, I just added it to my playlist for when I want everyone to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, I thought, I thought it was sort of catchy. I had never heard yeah. it before. Yeah. If you're a Squeeze fan, I think that you'll like it. It's, you know, I when I first got into the Christmas stuff, you know, I sort of made this standard of 
I want to hear bands record original Christmas music in the style that they're accustomed and not not come in and do traditional stuff if they're not traditional. And th this is a squeeze song. This sounds exactly mm -hmm. like a squeeze song. Right. And it's an original and and it's quirky and it's weird. And, and so if you like squeeze. Yeah. Yeah. And the video is pretty weird too, yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. To, it's fun to watch. Um, the next one is probably my favorite out of all of everything. Uh, both albums. It's Cool Yule by the Rebel Pebbles. Now, I had the pleasure of speaking with Rachel Murray. I got to interview her about the song and the writing process, and she was really cool. Kind of told me about it. You guys can go back and listen to that episode. It's it's fun. It's just a catchy, up tempo tune. it's kind of very pentatonic there's a cool breakdown and yeah i mean you just you're singing cool have a cool you i mean just for like days afterwards usually well i was <laughs> expecting the louis armstrong song and that's not what oh. we got no no, <laughs> <laughs> no but i did write thing. down catchy yeah. i wrote not god awful pretty high <laughs> praise yep i write down the very first maybe three or four seconds of that it sounds like santa claus party the, oh, uh -huh. uh, that, that song because yeah. yeah and then it gets into what the song is but that very first hit it's like oh oh no <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah it was yeah, it's uh, fun it's fun it was originally written to be uh when she was writing it was going to be like a blues ballad kind of a song and it morphed mm. as they worked on it it morphed into this uh up-tempo go-go style song oh. blues ballad really yeah yeah so i thought that, that was interesting yeah, it was much slower, and then it, they just they added that. Uh, but there's some cool like modulation stuff in there that I really like. Um, you know, the the music nerd in me just really enjoys. Uh, but next up, we have Clark Kent, and actually, or actually, before we do that, I think uh, Randy, you were telling me before we started about uh, a story with uh, Rachel Murray as well. Yeah, I um on on the top 100 on my uh, top 100 songs on my website that I wrote some 20 years ago and needs to be updated um <laughs> I, I i put this song at about number 49 or 50 and and you know praised it obviously i i love the song um their their band did they, they were one of those one album wonders um for, mm -hmm. for irs through mca i think it was and they actually had a couple of top 100 hits um, and it's a good record, but it's it's slick. It's 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 really polished, really West Coast polished '80s pop. Um, and you wouldn't have thought so listening to this because this is kind of like if the Bengals and the Go Go's got really <laughs> drunk and and <laughs> that's a good did, way to put. It. I mean, really loose, jangly, fun party time song. And it's it's yeah. and and their albums not like that. And 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 when she actually um got in, got in touch with me and said hey i you know thanks for writing this up and i kind of agree with you i wish we had done our album more like we did the christmas song you know loose and and up but my wife actually told me that i shouldn't describe this as girly um because that's that can be considered you know not a good term these days 
it's a girly song. Listen to the song. They talk about girly stuff. They're very happy to be girls. Yeah. And and that's it's it's kind of a you know, much of the song is about I'm a girl, I like it, and it's Christmas. So hey, what's not to <laughs> like? Yeah, I think of its time. That I think it's a perfectly fine way to say it. Mm. You know, I wouldn't want I, I wouldn't want someone saying that to my daughter now, but this mm. this is a snapshot in time, and I don't well, think there's anything wrong with it. If it makes you feel better, Rachel Murray told me that they were just very girly girls. Like she actually said that. So I think it's okay to to consider the song girly. Yeah. But next up is Clark Kent, also known as Stuart Copeland. Um, of course, we know mm. him from the police. We've been talking about him a little bit. The song is Yo Ho Ho, written somewhere between 78 and 80 is best we can tell. Yeah, interesting song. He'll say yo ho ho. He'll say yo ho ho. I so wanted to like this song. <laughs> and I, it sounds like the drunk uncle in the corner just making words up to a song or a tune in his head. I so wanted to like it because I, I love Stuart be Copeland. Themed. I was so excited. Yeah, your whole, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was really sounds that way. with this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote, what the hell did I just listen to? <laughs> we listened I, to I it this morning it. in the car, uh, just so I can get another round in before um, before we recorded. And my kids were like, it's supposed to be ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and that was, I mean, that was their whole thought on the, on the matter. But I actually really like, I love when the guitar comes in, when it's, the song starts in earnest towards the end. I, I really enjoy that part. Um, but yeah, the, the intro, I think some of his pitch issues when he's singing just kind of distract me a little bit. Um, of course, music, the instruments uh, are just fantastic though. So, yeah. All right. So uh, this is, let's go to Steve Hunter. Uh, he's an American guitarist, session player. He's played with guys like Mitch Ryder, Lou Reed, Alice Cooper, Aerosmith, uh, wow. Peter Gabriel. He's played guitar with David Lee Roth and Tracy Chapman. Um, his version here is just an acoustic guitar version of uh, We Three Kings. It's fantastic. I love it. I think it's another one of my absolute favorites uh, standout. It's uh, like you were mentioning earlier, Randy, it's, it really doesn't belong in this uh, group of, it just stylistically doesn't quite fit, but it's, it's gorgeous. I love it. Doesn't quite fit. It does not fit at all. <laughs> I wrote, what is this song doing here? This is a beautiful instrumental. And I also, I was taking notes like stream of consciousness as I was listening. I said, when is this going to turn awful? And then I wrote, wow, it didn't. This was great. <laughs> I, I I don't understand what it's here. It's doing here. Yeah, uh, you'll always get me with a instrumental guitar or instrumental oh, yeah. piano type song. I that's how traditional I am. These songs just really sing out. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if they use this as the leader into the album for people who aren't into this kind of music or the mm. other kinds of music, and they go, "Hey, have a listen to this," and then they start listening to the rest of it from here. Oh, because maybe it's so know. so commercial sounding. So. Mm -hmm. I loved yeah, it. This, yeah. 
this this could have been on uh, you know a, a, a Wyndham Hill record back in yeah the yeah. Mm. yeah and I I'm um I'm I'm a big fan of Steve Hunter as a guitarist and and I mean just you know for how good of a guitarist that he is right I you know since since I like things that are loud and weird um this was kind of a, a disappointment to me I mean his, <laughs> um, he he played with I think one of the finest rock and roll guitar moments ever on Lou Reed's album, Rock and Roll Animal, which was a live album. And he and I think he and Dick Wagner, both from the Alice Cooper band, do this long introduction to 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 the opener, Sweet Jane, which, you know, is, of course, one of Lou Reed's biggest songs. Right. And it's it's just amazing you know and this 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 electric guitar symphony basically it's just great um and i i kind of think of him more in in you know in that vein um, mm-hmm. you know, loud and 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 aggressive um this is the other side and you know and and most really good guitar players most metal guitar players know how to play that way and right clearly he can yeah yeah well he did a great job um next up is silent night by canadian jazz pop singer molly johnson and um, she started musicals she's fronted several bands including altamoda and the infidels she sung for princess die nelson mandela and quincy jones and Mm. one thing i thought was really cool she established the kumbaya festival to help those with hiv and aids um and that's something they do each year and she's raised like at least a million dollars for for that so that's pretty cool she's actually working with producer um and composer norman orenstein and together they did silent night which uh was kind of a haunting version of silent night i felt silent nights holy nights all is calm all is bright round young virgin mother and child holy infant so tender and mild sleep in heavenly yeah, I wrote haunting vocals in my notes here mm-hmm. I wrote it starts off pretty good haunting vocals nice guitar I was waiting for it to go sideways but it didn't um, there was something about the female vocal quality that I liked it was gritty mm-hmm. and, and dark and I don't no, maybe Randy can tell me some, maybe either of you could tell me another artist that it's similar to, because I was kind of left like, this reminds me of somebody, but I can't quite place it. Uh, the guitar solo was awful, but it definitely not a bad version of Silent Night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd probably have to agree, Scott. It's um, definitely haunting, something there, maybe a little bit non-Fleetwood. Stevie Nicks voice wise, mm, maybe, okay. or that's probably, uh, yeah, because I was the same. I was thinking this sounds, sounds like something. It's not but, the high um, bright voice. It's a no, very... no. It's the low. It, even mm-hmm. if it's the quality of the production, maybe did that. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I, this this is definitely one of the highlights for me off this uh, this new album. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't mind the guitar that much. It didn't. It didn't. Um, yeah, I didn't either. Stand, it, yeah, it, it it didn't stand out enough for me to go. Oh, I don't like that, and that's fair enough. It, but for me, it, it did add to the song, and and it completed it. So, um, yeah, it's uh, as you'll hear later on. It might be one of my top favorites. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Randy? 
This is one of the ones that I don't have a strong opinion on. It, it's a combination of um, it's uh, laid back is not a good word for how they approach it. Um, it's it's but it's probably got as much to do with in, in most Christmas music fans have a song that they just can't stand. I, mm. I know people who, for instance, can't stand Little Drummer Boy or something. Silent Night's kind of my song like that. It's just it's. It, it it shows up on almost every Christmas record there mm -hmm. is, and almost everyone does it the exact same way. And this then this one wasn't that unusual, so mm. I got gotcha. you. It, it just kind of laid there for me. Well, we only have three left. Uh, I'll try to hurry it up because I know we're, we're running out of time here. But we have Deborah Holland's It Only Comes Once a Year. Uh, she's an American-Canadian singer. She was uh, in Animal Logic, which was another Stuart Copeland project. She had songs in Fright Night 2, Highlander 2, The Quickening. And I like the song, but also it was kind of strange because the uh, synth bells, that line that they play, that melodic descending line, um, it almost sounds like it's in a different key. So there's a little bit of polytonality as well. But it's, it's, it's a decent song. That's kind of my thought on it. It's not my favorite, but it's not the worst. Yeah, I just put it. It's just a pretty song. It was. It was interestingly enough in the instrumentation to be listenable uh, mm -hmm. multiple times. Not a standout. Yeah, I wrote that I had to fight to finish this, like eating lima beans, like when I was a kid. <laughs> and uh, I did like there was an R and B style male backing vocal in there that, that just seemed odd. It didn't seem like it fit, but I I liked it and it kept showing up, and that part was cool to me. Very cool. I kind of felt as though it would have made more sense for her to do something with Animal Logic because mm -hmm. that was a more interesting project. You know, they had had I think Stuart Copeland and Stanley Clark. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. And that was I re remember my, the the boss at the record store that I worked at at the time being very taken with Animal Logic and Deborah Holland in particular, <laughs> and. Interestingly, I think he actually met Kennedy, Ro the two members of Kennedy Rose that we're about to mention. Oh, nice! <laughs> and 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 was very taken with 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 them because they're both attractive ladies. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. It it this one kind of laid there, and I I think it it doesn't compare well with the work that she did with Animal Logic right about the same time. So right. I don't know why they didn't have the whole band. I don't know. Maybe it was. Uh, I I mean I have no idea. Uh, but Kennedy Rose that you mentioned is next uh, American country music duo, Mary and Kennedy, Pam Rose. They were both in Calamity Jane. They've actually are more known for writing songs for other artists like uh, safe in the arms of love and I'll still be loving you, but uh, restless heart. And uh, the song is called more than one night a year. It has that cool little guitar riff. That's almost like an ostinato. And then um, just dueling melodies, the counter melodies and the refrain. I really enjoy that part. Hold on, hold on. 
was pretty funny that the previous track is called It Only Comes Once a Year, and this one's called More Than One Night. <laughs> I did like that as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I wrote I'd rather hug a rose bush than have to listen to this again, I really liked the synth bass. There was this really punchy synth bass, mm -hmm. but that's all. I could not finish the song. Apologies to Ms. Kennedy or Ms. Rose, but this is bad, but bad, bad, bad. And the, they're other songs like the, on their own albums are really good. Again, I'm not a country fan, but I really enjoy those songs. I love the songs that they've written for other people. It's just, I don't know if they were trying for something different, but it just, it was, um, it was strange. It didn't sound like their typical song that they normally record. Yeah. I hadn't listened to this one in years um, and brought it back up for the show and was surprised how very untraditional it was, how, because they were, they were, not exactly institutions, but at, at least at the time, they were very respected songwriters mm -hmm. um, in Nashville. Um, and uh, this was, I, I think they were trying to be out there and and they got there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, for some reason in my notes, I have a question mark and that's it. Um, so <laughs> I, I must listen to it once and never got around to listening to it again perhaps because i don't recall the song uh yeah. so it definitely didn't leave an impression on me um yeah. even after listening to you guys I'm, I'm trying to rack my brains as to what was this one what was this one so i must have listened to it just once and never got around to listening to it again and uh it sounds like i didn't miss much and then finally let's talk about dread zeppelin so they were a novelty act they were Reggae meets Elvis impersonator, and you know, <laughs> no, I didn't know that, that till after though. That that was their. That's, uh, the, the, that's the thing that was really funny to me. That was, was their, I, their I, whole. I was like, is this and... someone doing a George W. Bush in an Elvis impression? And then <laughs> Elvis, I went yes. and, and looked it up, and I was like, oh, they there's an Elvis stick to this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, and this they actually cover all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. <laughs> hearing Elvis sing it in a reggae style is. Uh, it's something else. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. My two front teeth. My two front teeth. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. So I can eat on Christmas Day. The Rasta flavor was great. I liked. I thought this song was funny and fun. Well, Weird. The, yeah, yeah. The it was Elvis, um, reggae, and Led Zeppelin. And Led Zeppelin is the other thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Everything mashed together before the term mashup actually existed. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I was telling Jerry earlier that. Um, it's it, it doesn't bear up to repeated listening. <laughs> none, none of their records would, right. but it's but it was you know I I thought I thought it was funny the first time that I heard it. I I, I actually got to see them live one time for some weird reason, and and they and it was really funny. Just mm -hmm. you know you don't necessarily need to. Does it wear off? Is that the problem? Well, it's it, it was I I don't know how to des des describe just how. The weird, strange. I think there was a lot of pot smoking involved. Um, <laughs> you it, was, don't say. Say. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, the the reggae stuff, right? Stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, there's 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 a lot of inside Elvis references that you have to be a big Elvis fan to, oh. to get. And 
you know, and if you're not a big Elvis fan, you're just going to miss those jokes. So mm. I wrote the guitar was good, Dwayne. Yeah. I thought the whole song was great. Uh, only because <laughs> I have a history with them. Um, about oh, 15 okay. years ago, maybe 15, possibly 20. I heard them on a, a, a television music show doing Stairway to Heaven. And it's actually a really decent version in my mind for a parody of the song. Yeah. Um, so, um, so when I saw them on here, I thought, oh, this will be awesome. And once again, the first, the first listen to, un- until they sort of halfway through, I wasn't that impressed. And then by the end of the song, it was like, yeah, this is awesome. This is a great parody. <laughs> there you go. As, as, par- as parodies go, it's a great parody, but I don't know if you would add it to a playlist and, and <laughs> right. I probably won't, I probably won't ever listen to it again, unless, unless we cover it in some sort of future album, but uh, it's fun for, for what it is. Yeah. And um, yeah, well, you hearing could... Elvis like that, it's just awesome. <laughs> You could do a whole podcast just on the Christmas music of Dread Zeppelin. They have a <laughs> couple or three albums of the stuff. <laughs> you made it feel though, Randy, like it might be diminishing returns on it. If you add it to a playlist, <laughs> like, oh, this is great. This is great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Uh, but guys, I, we're going to do a brand new, well, not brand new. I've done it before, but a new segment. Uh, I don't do it very often. It's called A, 2, and D. And so we're going to list our top three songs off of these albums. You, you can mix and match. It doesn't have to be just from one version or the other. But I'm curious, what, do you th- what are your top three choices, your top three picks of this? And why don't we go with uh, Randy and then Dwayne and then Scott? I had my top three written down. There they are. Um, Rebel Pebbles, for sure. Um, it's, that's just the, it's, it's the one it's, it's an original song. It's a great performance. That cool um, Yule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And Timbuk three would be second for me. Um, like I said, I, I, it's, it's another original song. It's got a great message and, and for me, either the DBs or, or squeeze would, would come next. I, I, I think the squeeze is probably more, more, more timeless and more people would relate to it, but mm-hmm. You know, um, the, the, the DB song can be taken either tongue in cheek or totally at face value. And, um, I, th- I, th- I think it's a great country song. Yeah. Uh, so my top three has changed in the last 15 seconds. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, number one was always going to be Steve Hunter's We Three Kings. Okay. That's just traditional and just, yeah. like I say, acoustic guitar gets me every time. Um, I did have. Silent Night is my number two because I did like the song overall, but even though we've just sort of trashed it a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, though after sort of um, going through what we've just gone through, um, I would probably now put Rebel Pebbles as number two because okay. um, it, it's definitely more a fun song than the Silent Night song. Um, but number three was always going to be, and it will still be wall of voodoo shouldn't have given him a gun for christmas <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I just just the fun of that song like i say uh subject matter aside the the fun of all the different styles in that song the, the melting pot of what that song is uh makes my top three list so uh just for the fun of it right on and scott uh you'll have to fill in the artist name because i only wrote the track name my favorite okay. was we three kings just mm-hmm. like Dwayne, yep, I'm that's traditional. The, the Steve I Hunter. like that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. The Dread Zeppelin one, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. I like that one. <laughs> and then uh, whomever did Home for the Holidays. Who the, was that? The DBs, the Decibels. I like yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. So th- those would be my top three. Right on. And I'm kind of right there with you, with all you guys. I have uh, Cool Yules is my number one. 
then home for the holidays is number two and then we three kings is number three so uh <laughs> we we're all relatively similar uh but you know gi joe taught us that uh knowing is half the battle what do you think the other half is i would say the other half is listening to some of these songs all the way through the first time and enjoying them <laughs> what do you think scott i would say that some of these songs age like wine and some of them age like milk <laughs> <laughs> yeah what do you think randy the you know if 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 you like this stuff and you know if like a, a lot of us sometimes the thrill is in the hunt of finding more and more obscure strange out there rare christmas songs um i've been told and i've actually seen some form of proof that stan ridgeway um, from walla voodoo did a whole christmas ep that he gave away through his website um, it's it's disappeared without a trace. Um, the piece of evidence that I saw got dug up from the Wayback Machine, the Internet Archive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called something like Last Call Christmas, about 2005. So that's kind of the um, that's interesting. That's 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 what what comes next. I, I I would also argue that anyone who likes this stuff should um, go back a few years and l- try to listen to the Midnight records christmas oh yeah mm-hmm. called uh, um, midnight christmas uh, christmas mess or yep. something like that mm-hmm. um and and of course the z records christmas album which is easily oh. available for download right. um mm-hmm. the, the midnight series is you you'll have to chase down the vinyl um but uh those are both um especially the z album um, which came out of the new york no wave scene it's very much an antecedent to to this IRS album. So, mm-hmm. and those are all good. I thought if uh, knowing's half the battle, the other half is just putting interesting and unusual songs in your Christmas comp or playlist. So, there you go. Uh, guys, mm. it's been fun talking with you. Um, but as we're wrapping up here, what do you want to plug? Tell me about uh, anything you got coming up. Um, why don't we start with you, Randy? Uh, well, I've got a website called hipchristmas.com. Um, it's, it's a, it's, it's a work in progress for about 20 years. And, uh, um, I'm on Facebook at Hip Christmas Music, um, and uh, I'll be sharing things there the whole time. Uh, so, so join me there. Yeah, good stuff. And it's there's some things that you know, and some things you're like, I don't remember this one here, and it's always interesting. And which is why I wanted you on the show. I knew you had lots of cool knowledge and and just great stuff to that I had no idea about. So. Yeah, no kidding. I want to mm-hmm. show up at his house with a two terabyte flash drive and just say, fill this <laughs> thing up because you got some stuff I've never heard about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what about you guys? Go ahead, Dwayne. Um, so I'll, besides Tinsel Tunes, which uh, obviously Scott and myself now now host, um, I've got my, my drumming, The Average Drummer on YouTube and uh, not so much on Twitch anymore. I can't find the time to do live streaming um but that's uh the average drummer on facebook as well but i've started a lot of work on my christmas display so in fact half an hour before we started recording here i was pushing pixels into a big giant star i have sore (laughs) fingers Hmm. Uh, after this i'll go and test it throw it out in the weather and uh, make sure it goes through the rain um so that's townsend christmas lights on youtube and facebook so um looking forward to a bright season and scott i do tinsel tunes with Dwayne and uh We'd love to have you over there where we dive into the history of much more traditional Christmas songs. I also do Christmas morning. And on the second half of every Christmas morning, 
we do a Christmas music battle where we find uh, versions on Bandcamp of traditional Christmas songs, and we we uh, have have an audience poll of who did the best. So it's not quite up Randy's alley because well, we do all we do original music every second uh, the second week of every month. But we do like to find those unsigned and independent artists, and that's a whole lot of fun. So mm-hmm. christmasmorningpodcast.com. Right on. And go check all of that out. It's good stuff, and you won't regret it, and you'll hear some really, really great Christmas music. So let me just say, guys, thanks again. And I'll end it with uh, we say yo-ho-ho on Christmas Day. So check us out <laughs> on our social media pages, which you can find at linktree.com slash totallyradchristmas. And if you're feeling like this record jingles your bells, you might ask Santa to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us reach more people and spread some rad holiday cheer. Now, don't forget to check out our merch shop on tpublic.com and our super dope website, totallyradchristmas.com. Have a cool Yule. Later, dudes.